Good morning. Good morning. Um, let me just move this right out of the way. Um, so good morning. My name is Nick, like John said, and um, I have the just opportunity and blessing to be their pastoral resident here at Center Church and Zero Collective. And short, what that is, is basically I am a youngster out of college, two years out of college, and I am called to full-time ministry, and I am able to learn, preach underneath John and the other Zero Collective pastors. And today I just wanted to ask the question, um, one question of, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, I feel like that's a question we've all heard um, from about age five to maybe age 75. I don't know if you guys are still getting that question. I'm still getting that question of what do you want to be when you grow up. There's so much dreaming incorporated with that question. The sky is the limit. Um, I don't know if you guys remember when you were like young of when you heard that question, you would dream and you wouldn't think about things that disqualified you. Like if you want to be a vet, you weren't thinking about that you were allergic to dogs. You were just thinking about, wow, I want to do this the rest of my life, and um, I'm going to do it. And for me, I always wanted to be a pro baseball player. Always wanted to play baseball. My first word when I started talking was ball. Um, I loved baseball. And Quentin, I think we got a picture of little Nick there. Um, crazy enough, I didn't have a mustache growing up. Um, didn't come out of the womb like that. Um, took... 24 years. But uh, what I found when I grew up more and more was every priority I had was viewed from the lens of my goal, was playing pro baseball. So every decision I made was viewed from that goal. I remember skipping homecomings to go to baseball tournaments, um, going to the ba batting cages with my dad on Easter morning. Everything was viewed from that goal. That was my goal. The problem was with that goal is it ended. It ends. When we put our goals in, su in success in sports, they end. I ended up playing baseball at Cornerstone University um, and pitching there. And I last March 2020, I was able to pitch in a baseball game. I got off the field and looked at my phone after the game, and I saw a text from one of my buddies saying, uh, we got to move out tomorrow. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah, this COVID thing, we have to move out tomorrow. So that was my senior day photo. Me and the three other, the two other seniors and our coach was, all right, well, I guess this is our senior day because it was the only game we played um, in 2020. And that was my last game ever. And the crazy part is I didn't know it was going to end. Um, I, we didn't know the nature of COVID. And I thought I had two or three more months with the boys, two or three more months to um, pursue my goal and play baseball. And um, I thought I was going to have more time to process, but it ended. All of my hope, <laughs> everything I was striving for ended. And that's the lie that success in sports gives us is that it's not going to end, is that we are valid, is that we have significance from sports, or success in anything, um, success in jobs, success in titles. That's the lie from the enemy is that we are valid, is that we have significance because of it. 
But like everything that is not Jesus, it ends. And I would love to dive in to the text today. Philippians 3, 7 through 14. And in that, this is Paul. And um, a little ba- uh, backstory of Paul is he was once Saul, who was not a great person. <laughs> he uh, murdered Christians. And then he encountered the Lord and changed his name but also changed his goals. And just like us, as he converts to following Jesus on the Damascus Road, he acknowledges and is wrestling with what he was prioritizing in the past and how it was so meaningless now, now that he's following Jesus. So I'm just going to read um, uh, Philippians 3, 7 through 12. Um, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more... I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I, when I was reading this passage, I just thought it was really cool and really of the Lord, talking about prizes. I think in a generation um, where prizes and participation trophies, but also winning trophies, is a really big deal. Um, and in that, Paul is just disregarding all of that of, it's meaningless, it's garbage. Or if we're British, it's rubbish. Um, and I would just love to break that down further of a couple lies that um, success in sports or success in other things give us. And first going through 3, 7 through 8, I'll read it again super quickly. Um, but whatever were gains to me and now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And in that, Paul acknowledges that knowing Jesus is the only worthwhile life goal. The idea that being good at sports or even having children that is good at sports um, gives you validity is a lie. Rather than when you allow Jesus to be the goal, he's organizing our priorities and sports are placed in a healthy spot in our lives. That I've noticed when we find our validity in Jesus, he organizes each priority and he puts sports in a healthy spot in our lives. He puts it um, at a healthy I found number four is a really good priority for sports or less. God, family, friends, and sports. Sports could be even lower, but um, if you don't have friends, maybe it's three. But everyone has family. Um, but I've just found the healthy spot is when it's, they're at a healthy spot in our lives, they become a lot more fun. Um, you have a lot less on the line when your kid make, doesn't make the game-winning goal. Um, or when you 
have a terrible outing on the mound, which I have had many of. And in that, um, I just have a short story of when I, I'm from Clarkston, Michigan, and when I first, when I was in high school, I got my first summer job, and I was an umpire for baseball at the local park. And I loved doing it because it wasn't a very hard job, and you worked, and you you made a set amount of money for per game, and it was pretty good. And I did that for two years, and then I got promotion when I went to college, and I came home. They were like, you're no longer an umpire. You're a site supervisor. And from that, I just got to sit in a lawn chair and watch other umpires umpire, and I got paid more than them. And that was great. I was like, this is awesome. My mom would pack me dinner, and I would just go and sit in my lawn chair and, and watch umpires uh, umpire, and if someone got hurt, I had a first aid kit, and we would always get coached as site supervisors, like, if there's an altercation, you got to step in. I'm like, this is Little League Baseball. There's not going to be an altercation. Um, you guys see where the story's going. Um, but I was sitting there one day, um, eating the dinner. My mom packed me, and, uh, there was, I heard a noise in a, in a clover, there was a clover leaf field, so there was four fields. I heard a noise behind me, and um, I just hear, that was a horrible call. And then I hear the other side cheering. So you know the game's over. You know that there was a call and the game was over. And uh, I just hear a, um, I look over and the coach is running to my umpire. Parents are running on the field. So I walk on. I walk over there, and I'm like, what seems to be the problem? And they're like, well, bad call. I'm like, okay, well, I trust my umpire. That call is final. Game's over. Game's over. Everyone's walking off, and I'm packing my lawn chair up after the games are over, and I just, this, there's a parent, like, just like, I can feel his presence. I can feel his stare just looking at me. And he was like, that call was so bad. Like, who do you think you are? And I'm like, dude, I'm 19, like, I don't care about your 14-year-old, like, Little League game. And he is walking, getting closer to me, and I'm walking away to my car. And he's starting, he's like, I'm going to kick your butt. Um, you know I'm not saying the actual words. But he's, he's, like, threatening to physically beat me up over a Little League baseball game. And I'm like, I wasn't even the umpire. I'm just protecting the other umpires. And um, in that, I had to end up calling the cops um, because he was uh, – um, approaching me and and then also like my boss saw and called the cops and I wish I could tell you that was a one-time thing but over like my couple of years doing that we had to do that like three or four times and I just have one question about that story if you're paying attention is do you think sports were a healthy priority in that guy's life do you think he had God family friends Sports? Do you think he had that priority list? Do you think he was finding his validity in Jesus when he was doing that? And he might have. He might have been a follower of Jesus. But in that moment, his validity was in that call and in his kid that got robbed of an opportunity to be the sports hero. And I think we find that in ourselves of like putting validity in situations putting validity in sports and success that makes our actions, makes our interactions with others skewed. And 
if we, what would it look like if we carried the validity of Jesus onto the field or into the parents' room or into like just when we are parents interacting with other parents and our kids maybe don't make that play where we're like, okay, he'll get it next time. There's a lot more important things rather than fighting a 19-year-old. Um, what would that look like? I believe atmospheres shift when we carry the validity that is only supplied in Christ Jesus. When we carry that validity, we find when, that we are valid because we follow Jesus and Jesus alone, that atmospheres are shifted and other parents, other kids are um, also affected by that. And w- when we do that, when we put our um, identity in success in sports, we question our validity, and it's only found in Jesus. And then going to 3.9, let me recap 3.9 for you of, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And the next lie I've seen is that putting identity in sports will it'll question your significance. That when you put your identity in who you are as a baseball player, as a baseball parent, as a CEO, as um, a veterinarian. I don't know why I'm on veterinarian so much right now. But the titles in our life that are not son of Jesus, son of God, daughter of God, when we do that, Paul acknowledges and talks about being found in him, in him alone. When we find ourselves in Jesus, our significance is put in him. And most of my life, I found my identity in sports. I found my identity in being a baseball player, being a future professional baseball player. I found myself in them. My priorities reflected that. My relationships with others were weakened because I was focused on myself. I was focused on being a pro baseball player. I was focused on playing baseball. Um, It was my life. And I found my significance in that because of that. But rather, like, I am and you are significant purely because we are sons and daughters of God. And when we're found in him, our goals and priorities are organized and reflected by that. And what I've found is that even when we accept Jesus, if we operate out of the titles that aren't son and daughter of God, if we operate as I am Nick, pastoral resident, above son of God, we miss what God's trying to do in the moment, in the situations we're placed in that the Lord has us in. And that when I was at Cornerstone and when I was operating as a baseball player above a son of Jesus, I was a lot more hung up on the fact that I threw three um, walks in a row rather than my teammate who is suffering and drowning in sin and needs someone to talk to. I'm sitting in a corner um, mourning and pouting because I didn't play very well, but the Lord clearly has orchestrated me to be there for someone else. And when we operate out of the other titles in our lives, when we operate out of being a, even being a parent of a, someone who plays sports above being a son or a daughter, above being a child of God, we tend to miss what the Lord's trying to do in those situations. We tend to miss the parent who maybe is getting too hung up on things and we can talk to them and be like, hey, like, 
this is important, but there are, there's one more thing that's more important, and that's Jesus. And he can use us, and we can evangelize, and we can meet people when we're operating out of being a son and daughter, and that's it. Only when we're operating out of being a son and daughter is when the Lord uses us. And then a little encouragement, I feel like I've been talking about a lot of lies, um, is 12 through 14. And I love um, the message translation for this um, specific part. And the message translation is a modern paraphrase. It's not a scholar translated. It's a paraphrase, more modern. But it says, um, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made. I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. I've got my eye on the goal. Where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus, I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. That when Paul accepted Jesus, when he decided that he was going to run after Jesus, he decided that it's never too late to make Jesus your end goal. I don't know if you guys know a lot about King Saul, but he did a lot of messed up stuff. He did a lot of things that probably would have disqualified him in a lot of eyes. He killed Christians. He killed others. And when he encountered Jesus, he said, all those things I cared about, all those things that were important to me, they are meaningless because I have Jesus and I am on the goal, and I am not perfect. He acknowledges that he's not perfect, but he doesn't want to be misunderstood by that, but his eyes are on the goal, and he's going to be running towards him. So it is never too late to make Jesus your end goal, guys. Um, Jesus might not be your Savior right now, but it's never too late to make him your end goal. And um, maybe your eyes haven't been on him, and parents, making Jesus the goal and living it out will set up your kids to do the same. And maybe you don't have kids, but it'll set up a next generation to do the same as well. Um, Gen Z and the generation even under that is a generation that's going to change a lot of things in our nation. And if we, um, as the generation above, is, are going to live out our lives for Jesus, they will imitate it. And I even found this quote from a, I was doing some, I was on some parent blogs, and uh, I'm not a parent yet, but I had to do some research, and I was like, where do people find this parenting tips? And I was on, I got this deep stream of blogs of like soccer moms, and um, found a lot of like interesting like life hacks, but also I found this really good phrase, and it says, kids won't always do what we say but they never fail to imitate what we do. And if we elevate sports above God, the next generation is going to do the same. Our kids are going to do the same. Even Scripture says this in 1 Timothy 4-8, through 8, that, I mean, it says, bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. That even in the time of Timothy, sports were still something that got prioritized over God. And it was something to be addressed. So this is not the first time. We're, we're not, we are not the first generation encountering this. That 
if we, we're not careful, success in sports, success in our lives will become an idol. And it does not profit us, but godliness is pro- profits us because it doesn't end, guys. The only end goal we can latch on to is something that doesn't end, and that's Jesus. And I just felt like when I was praying over this message, praying over our community, I just felt like the Lord is giving us permission to dream with God, to allow for him to build your goals, build your priorities, and build your schedule. That Jesus wants to dream with you, just like you used to dream about what you were going to be when you were growing up. He wants to bring back the spirit of us being kids, of us being able to dream and not think about all the things that are in our way if we want to do it. Um, what would it be like if we dream like we were kids again with God? He is a master, but he is also friend, and we are able to dream with him. So I started doing this in my own life. I started carving out time to pray and plan for next seasons with God um, of like sitting down with, okay, what does a fall need to look like? Sitting down with myself, sitting down with my girlfriend. What, does it, what do these times need to look like? What do our next season of life need to look like? And planning it out. And regular time like this allows us to evaluate the idols that are standing in the way. And sometimes it's really hard to see the idols in our life unless we look at our planner. If something in our schedule is taking more priority than time with God or time with family, it's probably an idol in our life. And we can't see it until we look at our Google calendars. So we look at our calendars and say, maybe this is taking up too much of my time. Maybe the Lord doesn't have me doing this as much as, I'm, as much as I am. And the questions you can ask when you're planning is, what is he asking of me and my family in this season? Maybe he's asking that every Wednesday you have to you get together and you have a family dinner amidst little Jimmy playing rugby, Susie playing hockey, and Carter playing baseball. All of them, they don't get off practice till 10 p.m., but we're going to have dinner together because we feel like the Lord is bringing family and we need to be together. Maybe he's asking of all of, all of us to be more unified. And when you pray as a family, you bring everyone into that. And then maybe, what is he not asking of me? Maybe he's asking your family and yourself to drop things that you might have been idolizing over him. When you look at the calendar of, maybe I don't need to go golfing five days this week. Which is, golfing's of the Lord. I mean, I don't know. When I play, I, I connect with the Lord. So maybe that's not an idol, but... Maybe he's prioritizing being with family over maybe hitting the links twilight every single day. Um, But you won't see that until you open your calendar, and you won't see it until you pray and ask God those things. Because a lot of times we have blind spots. I know John's talked about the Jahari window before of things we can't see, of skidding with your family and saying, what are we missing? What do we need to drop in this season? and asking the Lord, and inviting the Lord into it. And the cool part is, if you have kids, there's no junior Holy Spirit. The, your kids hear from the Holy Spirit too, and they want to partner with you in that. And in that, you're setting up your kids to follow, and pray, and plan, and dream with Jesus. And how cool would that be if your kids and 
um, if you are kids, that you grow up dreaming with Jesus and you don't ever stop. That w- that's so powerful to allow the Holy Spirit into your whole family and let your children pray and plan with you of maybe there's something that the Lord's putting on your kid's heart to do in this season. Um, and just allowing him to infiltrate the entire family dynamic our entire lives and pray and plan with him. And um, kids, school's not optional, unfortunately. Uh, you can't pull the, the Lord told me to not go to school. Um, that's, that's not the point of this. I just want to get that out there. But um, you could listen to this whole message and been like, Nick, like, that sounds super great, but what if I don't change my priorities? What if I don't change my goal? What if I don't make any changes in my life? And I would say that that's fine, um, but every goal has a cost. Even following Jesus has a cost. And Paul talks specifically about the cost of following Jesus. When we make Jesus the goal, everything we thought that mattered is garbage. Everything that we mattered no longer ma- everything that we thought mattered no longer matters to us, and that's the cost of following Jesus. When you make Jesus your end goal, Everything else is meaningless, and he prioritizes what's supposed to be in our life. But when we don't, we, we keep those things as idols. We keep those things as our main goal. And in that, the cost of that is the end. The cost of that is that you are an- more anxious than ever. You are more tired than ever because you're chasing something that will end. You're chasing something that is great right now, but it won't give you salvation. It won't give you happiness. It won't give you joy. Now, I'm speaking as someone who has chased so many other things that's not Jesus. And I've never been happier than making the Lord uh, my end goal, knowing that there are a lot of things I'll do in this life, but Jesus is the main goal. Everything ends, guys. It all ends. And I was there. I was at Cornerstone University. I feel like I'm plugging that university hard. If someone is 18 looking for college, this should just be an ad right now. But I was there. I was a freshman doing three-a-days for baseball in August, and we were getting up at 6 a.m. We were lifting, and then we were going to um, play uh, practice and then play games at night. We were doing three-a-days every day, and it was exhausting. Um, it was fun as an 18-year-old, but it was exhausting. And we were three weeks in, and our coach huddles us up midday. And he's like, okay, split up into groups. And I'm thinking in my head, what crazy workout are we going to do again now? What group workout are we going to do? And our coach just says, okay, like now that you split into groups, that's your small group. Before we ever touch a baseball the rest of the season, you're going to split into your small group and share the hard things in your life. You're going to pray with them and then you're going to touch a baseball. And before I even was following the Lord, that really exhibited to me what a family looks like, what community looks like, being able to share and pray and even plan what what the practice is going to look like for you. And I really met the Lord through those guys. And the cool thing is we became a family but your actual family can look like this. What would it look like to pray 
and plan with your family before getting before getting in that car ride to go to a tournament, before going to that cross game, before going to work in the morning and going to school in the morning, what would that look like? I guarantee you your whole day will be shifted. And in that, I just want to encourage you guys that when we dream with God as children, he is faithful and he takes care of us. He really does. I just want to end this message just a prayer of renewal over us. I think that a lot of this message can be convicting of like, wow, I didn't do this and I need to. That's okay. There's grace. But the Lord wants to meet with you and change, change us and renew us forever. And I'm just going to pray a, a prayer of renewal over us, prayer of redemption over us. I just join you to um, join me in prayer and just pray that the Lord renews and the Lord redeems all that is in us and he renews and redeems the family, family dynamic that it changes. So you just join me in prayer. Jesus, oh, Lord, we just acknowledge our shortcomings. We acknowledge that we are prioritizing different things over you. We are worrying about our future. We are worrying about where we're going to be, our titles. We're worried about our kids and if they're going to perform well. We're just worried. And we want to make you our end goal. We want to dream with you like little kids because that's what we are to you. You are our dad. And we are little kids. So I just pray a spirit of being a child over us no matter what age we are that we act as sons and daughters of the Most High and we operate out of that title above any other title in our lives. That before I am a pastor, I am a son. Before we are teachers, we are sons and daughters. So Lord, just renew and redeem the family dynamic in the center community, in Byron Center. That we make you our end goal and in that, everything else is organized by you. And you put stuff in healthy, fun spots so that we can enjoy sports the way you've intended it. So we can learn lessons in sports. And make friends. See people prosper, Lord, rather than making sports our end goal. Making success our end goal. And in that, we get tired. And it ends. It ends, Father, but you never end. So renew us, redeem our souls today, Father, that we have a newfound supernatural energy to run after you and our families, to run after you in our lives. Bless our planners, bless our calendars, Lord, that we look at them and order them for you. You organize our priorities and you show us the idols in our lives and that we just make changes, Lord. So we love you and we give it all to you, Lord. We submit our fall schedules to you in your holy, blessed name. And everyone said, Amen.